The following resource is presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. Welcome to Z-Pod. An Outreach Ministry of Identity Matters podcast. Z-Pod is focused on addressing the worldview issues relating to the millennial generation and their children, Generation Z. Our new podcast series reveals the importance of the indwelt believer knowing and understanding who they are in Christ. Thank you for joining us today and welcome to Z-Pod with Dr. Stephen Finney. Welcome, listeners, to ZPod. If you remember, ZPod is an outreach ministry of Identity Matters podcast. I want to give you a little bit of an update. The reason why I want to give you this update is because I really have you guys to thank for the statistics that I am going to share with you about Gen Z. Most of you who have websites or who have social networks, you're able to gather the statistics. You can find out where your people are listening or posting or reading or whatever the case may be. And we obviously are able to do that with our website as well as media, individual media that is on our website. And so we checked it out this week. And generational ethics, which is really the Discussions that we're having in a radio broadcast style hit the top of the charts. It was the number one reason click ratio for our ministry. I'm boasting in the Lord because God is accomplishing some very significant things through our generational ethics broadcast. There's invites coming in that we're reviewing, which tells me that the word is going to get out there farther and faster. But a click ratio is very important to me. I'm not just a pastor. In fact, I'm the low end of being a pastor. And I'm on the high end of being a preacher. And I'm just learning how to do this radio host thing. So uh, stay with me as I become more qualified in delivering the message in that type of format. But it is very encouraging to me to know that we are having listeners after just launching this thing a couple weeks ago. Now, the emphasis on the Generational Ethics radio broadcast, which you can jump into the broadcast at any time, night or day, by just going to our website and clicking on Generational Ethics. We have it all loaded there, ready and waiting for you. And the uniqueness of this radio broadcast is that I am sitting down in my studio. I don't have any notes outside of some bullet points that I want to make sure I cover in that show. And then I pray for the Holy Spirit to just cut loose. And that's what has been happening. 
But it's from the angle of ethics. Generational ethics is a term that we are using because each generation does contain its own set of ethics. So tonight's message is going to give you some of the finite details of ethics. Ethics is not a sinful word. Ethics is not a secular word. Ethics is something that has been used in churches from the very beginning. Yes, the term got popularized by the Greeks, but the ideology of ethics is very important. Our mission is very, very simple. It's equipping generations through the mind of Christ. Now there is a question that should be running through your mind unless you already have the answer to. And that is equipping generations with the mind of Christ. Well, how in the world do you do that? Jesus is not here anymore. Is Jesus still with us? The second question I would challenge you to to answer is that are you a follower of this Jesus Christ or are you actually indwelt by him? He's actually living inside your mortal body. He's making use of your human mind. He releases his own mind in your mind and you're actually able not only to explain your ethics, but you're actually able to explain the indwelling life of Jesus Christ and how it works through your mind. Now, a lot of people do give me feedback from time to time saying, "You, when you preach your way over my head, when you write your way over my head, no, I'm not. Maybe you need to rise up a little bit. Listen a little more carefully. Read between the lines a little more because you have the mind of Christ in you if you're born again. And he's not shortchanged on intellect. He is the brightest, quickest human that has ever shadowed this earth with his presence. And he lives inside you if you are a born-again believer. So our value is we want to help members of the body of Christ experience, mature in, communicate effectively the message of who the believer is in Christ, not following Christ. This is accomplished through the Identity Matters Outreach Programs, which are weekly emails that hits about 300,000 plus per week. Braggy, braggy. You better believe it. We're going to boast in Christ on this one because when those numbers grow and we see those numbers increase each week, we get very excited because we know what they're doing on the other end because we get testimonies of it. And it is awesome to watch God use those emails. And of course, our Identity Matters podcast, our Identity Matters publishing, which is published I don't even know how many articles. People ask me, well, how many times have you been published? I actually giggle on the inside because I don't know the number. 
That's what we want to do is take quality Christus life writers and get them published and get their stuff out there as far and as fast as we can. And of course we have our generational ethics broadcasts, our identity matters training, our identity matters worldview network, and the identity matters worldview centers, which is now presently over 70. Now tonight's message is called the final generation, the modality of ethics. Now when you guys think of the word modality, what comes to your mind? Model, styles and types, modes. The Greek is real simple. It's methods. It's pathway. It's a distinct pathway. So when we talk about modalities of ethics, for example, we're going to be discussing the pathway carved out. The road. There's two primary modalities in the world today that Jesus Christ himself warned us of. What are they? For there's a road to destruction. Okay, so from this moment forward, in the following messages that are going to be coming up over the next couple of months, I want you to be thinking about two primary modalities. One modality is the wide road that leads to destruction. The other modality is a small, narrow road that leads to where? Life. Eternal life leads to heaven. Not only did he say that, he said that the number, the numeric value that is on the wide road is what? Many. I want you to, if you're drawing out two pathways in your notes, I want you to write the numeric percentage of 90% on the pathway that is wide. On the pathway that is narrow, I want you to write 10%. Pastors, listen to me very carefully. When you have a body in your fellowship and you are preaching to this body, you need to understand Hebrew code. 90% of the people sitting in those pews, the odds are they are Christ's followers. They are lukewarm people sitting there and they're not going to do much changing There's not a great deal of conviction going on with those people because they're on this wide road. And here's what I'm about to announce to you. On that wide road are multiple, multiple pathways, modalities of belief. Each person suffering with the consequences of sin that Eve chose to believe. Satan's conclusion of this pathway and every little single pathway, because every person carves out a pathway on this wide road, every single one of those individuals are suffering with Eve's consequences. And that is when Satan said, you too can be like God. So imagine 
these billions of lives on this wide road, 90% of the humans that have ever been born or ever will be born, and they all have their own little beliefs, their independent ways of believing, and that belief system falls under the category of pluralism. So the wide road can be reduced down in the Greek to pluralism. It's a single modality that literally encompasses millions of worldviews that lead to the exact same place. Now comes the mind bender. When you look at those billions of people and they all have this individualistic, pluralistic view of their religious views, their political views, their people views, it goes on and on and on. Each one of those individuals think that they are carving out their own destination. And they're all being led to the slaughter by one single God. Whom, by the way, is the motivating factor of each pathway on that wide road claiming, I don't believe in monotheistic theology. One God. So the Deception that's going on here is pluralism is not only a lie, but pluralism is the greatest deception for each person carving out their own pathway, not realizing they're going to end up with one single monotheistic God and his name is Satan. Now we go over here to the narrow road. And how many of are on this narrow road? Few. Hebrew code is 90 tenths where we get our tithing percentages. That's where it comes from. We have 10% of any human that has ever been born or is ever going to be born. And the craziness of this is, this is what blows my mind because it is what drives me every day. The craziness is, There are millions of people on that road, past and present and future. We're not into the billions here. So there's this small group of people and there's a mandate put upon this this group of people that have walked on this narrow road, generational ethics after generation. And they are required to be of the same mind. They are required to be of the same spirit. They are required to be of the same pathway. They are required sameness. The very thing that this large group over here despises. Independence promotes Satanism. Dependence promotes Christ in you. Christ has been doing nothing since the day of his resurrection, outside of unifying his body, so that he may use his body to pick up services 
and serve others and to help others and to lead them. But his body is fragmented. Because they're buying into pluralistic ideas that are on the wide path. Functioning as independent gods. That's the reality of pluralism. Here's our three objectives for tonight. First one is generational ethics is going to be explained in such a way that I believe you're going to be able to take this away with you and hopefully be able to sit down with someone and explain your faith. Explain your faith in such a way that the details will literally bend their humanistic minds. And you can do that very gracefully or you can do it very forcefully. It depends on the environment you're called to. Number two, we're going to talk about those three modalities of ethics. And then number three, we're going to talk about ethics in the world of technology. But here's a statement I want you to keep in mind. Power and deception are birthed through an established culture that uses its self-governed words, rhetoric, to sell its assumptive conclusions to a naive individual. Naive is actually defined as a person who has not yet embraced truth. It's not a healthy thinker. Naive people are not in a good position. This whole rhetoric is sold to a naive person or a generation who has no formal worldview. So you go ask your average zeer what their worldview is. The odds are statistics are correct. They're going to talk about their gaming world, their tennis shoes, who they have a crush on, Where they shop, remember, they are already labeled and given the status of consuming 40% of the market. How in the world does an eight-year-old consume 40% of the market on the Internet? It's easy. They're spoiled rotten. And they tell their mommies and daddies to get them things and I'm going to sh- show you a statistic at the conference that's probably going to twist, twist your mind up a little bit. But $400 billion is being spent by millennial parents on their Z children. There's big money in this. So this is a non-worldview generation we got in front of us. They couldn't explain their faith if there was a gun put to their head. For us to be able to sit down and talk to someone and listen very carefully to a statement that could activate you going through a detailed process of leading that person outside of their illogical conclusions, their pluralistic views, You can't use the excuse, well, they're just idiots and I don't want to talk to them because those idiots are smarter than you. They can explain their relativism better 
than most Christians can explain their faith. Now the big question is, of course, are we able to explain our beliefs? So the open door in this particular discussion was at the end because of a proper gotological deduction that was going on. The Christian obviously using the stuff that is in the relative mind, which was of no surprise, so there's no reason to argue. You start to use the data that is being exposed as tools for yourself to do the deduction. This is what generational ethics is all about. The broadcast show, as well as the preachings, as well as the writings, our 2018 emphasis on this is the gotological deduction process. So the question is, can you do that? And it's okay to admit, no, I can't. I would hate to be put in that kind of a situation. It would create all kinds of fears. Well, these are the fears that we need to get over. This is the level of interaction, I'm telling you, that you need to be prepared for, for this generation that is in front of us. They are quicker than most Christians. And that baffles me a bit since true indwelt Christians are supposed to have the mind and quickness of Christ. You see, Christians should never be able to be cornered. Ever. We should always stand ready to be able to explain the gospel. So what has happened to us as a church? What has happened to us as a church, society, culture? We are no longer this force that literally influences the generation that the church is in. Remember last week when I said to you that someone who was unsaved back in 1940, someone who was unsaved and they committed adultery, they felt guilty? Why did they feel guilty? Was it because Christ lived inside them? No. They felt guilty because the ethics of the church mandated the guidelines of the culture. So they felt guilty for committing adultery because the church had a major influence on culture and the generation in it. So if someone stole from their boss, they cut themselves a check for $10,000, called embezzlement, and, you know, two, three weeks later, the poor guy just can't live with himself anymore, and he brings, you know, the check back to his boss and confesses, I stole this money from you. He's an unbeliever now. There's no Holy Spirit doing any convicting. Conviction is internal. Guilt is external. Key to remember when you're discipling people. So what motivated this guy to do this in an unsaved modality? The church. The church is the one that influenced society to say stealing was wrong. So now when we look at Gen Z and the statistics of how many, what percentage of Gen Zers will steal, and there's young people 
in this body tonight that are active thieves. Whether you're stealing a cookie or you're stealing your father's authority or whatever, you are a thief. That's the reality of Gen Z. 40% of them say that stealing and lying is not wrong. No wonder their parents are spending $400 billion on their wants. I'm trying to gather the statistics on how much money is spent just on devices for Gen Z by their parents. And I'm getting close, and I'll get that statistic to you when when I get it. Because that's a significant ethical issue that has to be addressed, and that's the ethics of technology. They're always going to want the upgrade a year later, whether it's a game, whether it's a device, or whatever. So you move that person 15 years down the road, and they'll be upgrading their cars every two years. You see how the merchants are very interested in these statistics? So for an average Gen Zer not to have any conviction about stealing and any conviction about having same sex or any conviction about all this stuff you're hearing in the news is because the church no longer influences the culture. It's gone. It's in the past. And this is not I as your your speaker presenting this to you. It is backed by statistics. The church no longer influences the ethics of the culture. So that leaves us with a conclusion that it's the individuals within that generation that are actually defining what ethics is or is not. And if that doesn't scare you, then you weren't listening to what I just said. The fact is this. Jesus is very intolerant of every person who believes in relative ethics. He's intolerant of it. You see, the tolerant terminology is within that wide pathway is that there's all these billions of people on this pathway and you're going to have to somehow get along with whatever their view is and whatever their religion is, whatever their God is, whatever, if it's money, if it's, you know, you're going to have to get along with them to get anywhere. So people-pleasing, we've always known in the churches called idolatry, But people-pleasing always sells itself out down the road. Always. It never doesn't sell itself out. So the question needs to come to you individually is, what would I truly sell myself out to? What temptation would enter my life that I would truly sell my faith out? Great question. Definitely worthy of being contemplated.
This resource has been presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. For more information about our ministries, visit us online at IOMAmerica.org. That's IOMAmerica.org.